pretty words to a song. That's true. He didn't bring us this far. Just trash us on the side of the road and leave us laying, did he? Aren't you glad you're serving that kind of a loving father tonight? <clears throat> we greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Trust you're doing well by the grace of the Lord. Amen. Fighting the devil. Amen. And winning. Amen. Good, good. Praise the Lord. Let us uh, turn tonight, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Got a few announcements here. I wanted to um, um, make mention about Brother D Daniel Nunley getting to come home, and him and Sister Linda still need, need prayer as far as um, things that they're dealing with. Um, I went to visit Brother Louis Slaris today, but they wouldn't let me in. They only allow one visitor, and Sister Linda had already been there for the day. So well, we certainly want to remember our brother in prayer that God will just be with him as well. Um, Sister Cynthia Parker will be starting radiation treatments, and we certainly want to keep our sister in prayer. They've brought her through the chemo by the grace of the Lord, and we're thankful for that. So we want to just continue to pray for five days a week, I think it is, Brother Greg, for five continuous weeks. So we want to remember her, that God will just help her and be with her. But through all these difficulties, we have some good things to talk about, too. Amen. I mean, knows God's moving among His people. And um, Brother Timothy Carroll and Sister Allison Weber got engaged last night. So they wanted to make that announcement that they're planning on being married. So there's good things happening. God's answering prayers and moving for us, and we're grateful for that, aren't we? Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This could be um, titled as if though it was from the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Johnson City Press, right. Elizabeth and Star. Don't look for them to write it, I mean, but it, yeah. it was so perfect for the time that we're living in. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And the word perilous is hard to deal with, hard to take. Hard to take. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, which the word covetous there means they love money. And boasters is that they brag of those things which they don't have, things which are beyond their own abilities to be able to do. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Can you imagine Paul putting disobedience to parents in with blasphemers? Pretty serious thing in the eyes of God. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Feeling like everybody owes you something. It's it's the mindset of the day we live in. It's Laodicea. You live in America? Well, what can America do for me? Might as well turn that around. What could you do for her? People who develop that attitude bring it to church as well. What can the church do for me? What can, this, what, what can you do for the church? What can we do for the kingdom of God together? And this is what we will have to fight to the very end because it's the spirit of the age. 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, the word incontinent means lack of self-control, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Praise God. You ought to be so happy tonight if you don't fit in these scriptures. Having a form of godliness, but denying the what? See, it doesn't even say they denied the scriptures. It didn't say they even denied all the word. But what they deny is the dunamis. The power. The power to make the word live. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And what are we supposed to do? From such, turn away. Now let's read this quote that we've been reading for several services in the junction of time. Angels appear in the end time. All the prophets and the signposts point, saying this day that angels will appear. Prophets will arise. Signs and wonders. And if God did that for those little junctions back there, what will he do now when all hell turn loose? Notice this year, January the 15th, 1956. Can you imagine what he would say if he was here in 2020? Now, I'm not saying it wasn't bad in 56. No doubt it was in comparison to 55, 54, 53, 52, so on and so on. But to compare 56 to 2020, my goodness. All heaven, notice, what will he do when all hell turn loose? All heaven will turn loose. Angels appearing, signs and wonders on the earth. Friend, this is why it's not wrong for us to believe in the supernatural and to expect it and to look for it. That's right. I I know there's an element of people in the message and it scares them to death when you go to talking this way. But this is our inheritance. This is just as much our inheritance as the seals are. As a matter of fact, if you'll study it real close, you'll find Brother Bram saying it over and over and over again. 80% of the ministry of the Lord Jesus was based on divine healing. 80% of the ministry of the Lord Jesus was based upon divine healing and supernatural. Now you're not gonna tell me that trying to pray for the sick and trying to get the needs of people met is not important when the Lord himself spent 80% of his own ministry doing such. And when Brother Branham was on the earth, the Lord Jesus, he says it himself, the Lord Jesus had more success, Brother Branham said, I've seen him do more in my ministry than he did in his own. That chokes people to death, don't it? But he didn't say he did it. He said the Lord did it. Well, it must be important to the Lord Jesus. Oh, my. Angels appearing, signs and wonders on the earth, the counterfeits arising, God proving which is right and wrong. Amen. I may like to be remembered tonight before the Lord in prayer. God bless you. Let's just ask God's blessings on the word. Heavenly Father, we count it such an honor that it's been given to us, Lord. Father, it ain't been that long back 
And it was just me and the musicians, song leader, a few deacons. Most of these people was at home, on their phone, on their computer, so wanting to be here. But we're able to meet again. I thank you for it, Lord. Maybe to some of them it's already become common, but it sure ain't common to me tonight. I want you to know I appreciate the opportunity of us being able to gather together. Lord, we don't, we don't want to gather like this and just, well, it's another Wednesday night. But we look at it as an opportunity for you to take your word and speak to us. Manifest yourself in a mighty way. You love to show your strength among your people. Help us tonight, I pray, Father. Help me to be able to step aside and get out of the way. Use the gift, that part of yourself that you placed in my life. Help me, Lord God. Shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you, Lord. Speak to us the great words of life. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. There is no doubt, or there shouldn't be, in any of our hearts that we're living in a wonderful day, a great day, when supernatural things are happening, prayers are being answered, God phenomenally moving in wonderful ways, and yet at the same time, we're probably fighting battles that we'd never fought before going through things as a church, as, as families, and maybe a, as a nation that we've never dealt with before. But somehow, I think if we can look at it the right way, it helps us to see more clearly the time of where we are. It's at such junctions like this that God declares his greatness through hardship and trials. And when the enemy dares open the floodgates against the people of God, then God is brought on the scene by that opportunity to be able to manifest himself. As we spoke a week or so ago that during such times as this that we live, it is a time of great contrast when things are happening that never happened before. Good things that are going about that's never happened before. And yet, on the other hand, evil has been able to break loose and things are taking place in the negative side in a way that we probably never thought we'd ever see. Look at this in 1958 when the prophet said, when you see revivals, things that are going on like is going on now, Just remember, destruction comes. Now, most of us would never link a great revival, a great move of God, great supernatural things happening, and then we would link destruction right along with it. Now, you can see why that one of the many reasons that Brother Branham was so different than the Laodicean preachers and especially the crop that we have now. 
For them, it's all smiles, it's all blessings, it's all good, it's all the things that God wants to give you and what God wants to do for you. But in their mind, they do not link together that a great outpouring of the presence of God is only a prefigure that destruction is right at the end of that outpouring. Because they want to think it's going to get better and better and better and better and it will become more or less a utopia on the earth to where everything is going to be so good. I was in a message meeting several, several years ago and it was a so-called message preacher that was preaching part of the revival and he was preaching in front of me and he told the people to turn around and make a confession. Now, he was real big on positive confession and I am too, as long as I'm telling the truth. But this preacher told the people to turn around and tell the people beside you, I'll never go through another trial. I'll never shed another tear. I'll never be sad again. Well, there's people standing to my left and standing to my right. But my mama taught me when I was a little boy if I was ever in church, don't lie, boy. Well, I, I, I couldn't make that confession because to me, that was a lie. I don't care how much you say, you're never gonna go through another trial again. You're not telling the truth. If you're a child of God, you are gonna be tried. You're gonna be tested. So he went on with this nonsense and rhetoric. Tell the people besides you, I'll never be broke again. I'm gonna get more money than I've ever had. I'm gonna get more of this and more of that and more of something else. Well, I stood there. Of course, he watched me naturally, as preachers do. He watched me and seen that I wasn't confessing it. Well, then he tried to fry my hide a little bit and burn me, but it didn't make no difference if he did. I was not gonna lie. And I believe that with the blessings of God comes also trials and tests. As a matter of fact, I find the prophet of God saying, the more loyal you are to God, the more testing you're gonna have. I find him saying, the more loyal you are to him, you're gonna go through those things. And he said, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to you when God tests you. So to me, that does not line up with a modern mentality that you're never gonna have trials. If you're never gonna be tried, you're probably a child of the devil. Because God tries his own. And God whips his own when they do wrong. Amen. So then that changes our thinking to where that we look at revival as a span of God's mercy. A span of God outpouring goodness and mercy. But we also know that it's the call of God that God will sin and it will prefigure a great destruction. A time as the call went out for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then, of course, it went to the guests, which are the foolish virgins. And we know that whenever the call to the bride is being called, it's not the whosoever will group. It is not the call go out to the highways and the hedges. And when Jesus differentiates that call, he does not say that that call was given to the bride. 
It's not given to them, but it's to the, the lame and the halt and the blind and the crippled. And, well, anybody that just wants to come, that is to the guest, not to the bride call. The bride call is designated to a certain people with a certain message. But the guest is altogether different, right? But then what happens after that call? They're cast into outer darkness, those that turn it down. Now, modern Laodicea, of course, will not go this way, but we know this is why that we are so misunderstood, because we are looking for destruction to come in a form and in such a mass upon this earth that the earth has never known anything like it since her creation in the beginning. We know that the earth is heading for a great blackout. She's heading for a tumultuous time that the very core of the earth will belch out such fire. The plates beneath it will so shake that a chunk three to 400 miles wide will fall down into the earth and there will be tidal waves that will shoot plumb back to Kentucky. We know that it will shake so hard that everything on the top of the earth will be shook off. It will not break away as many of the modern scientists say, but it will actually one plate will go beneath the other. And as the modern term as we know it will be such a tsunami, there has never been anything like it on the face of the earth. Now, you say, why would you have to say that? Well, it's because the revivals have struck the world. But God chose this nation, which has been very blessed, we know that, to break a revival and cause a very simple man to be the one that would spearhead that revival and give him a ministry that there was never one from the apostolic time until the last day that was like it. What was it? Each discernment was an element of God's grace. Each miracle, each crippled child that was healed, each lame person, each person that was blind, every time the discernment took place and someone's name was called, and their street number was given, the description of their doctor, the description of their disease, the vision of I see you coming home from school in a yellow checkered dress. A dog gets after you and chases you. You run up on the porch and you fall through the screen door and fear grips you and it's bothered you your entire life. That was not entertainment. What was that? The grace of God. The mercy of God. You cannot experience such things without judgment following such display of grace. Now, I know we don't, we don't think this way because we think only grace and mercy and pardon, but we're not thinking right. Why was the people of Israel so scattered abroad over the face of the earth and so divided? Why are they even to this day, they marvel and wonder why? Why the city of Jerusalem, having been conquered some 40 times, 
more than London, more than any city in the United States, more than any cities in Syria and Iraq and Persia and no matter what nation that you'd want to ask why that nation had been conquered so much. Why? Because that people were blessed above any people that ever lived on the face of the earth. And when they got away from the program of God, what followed grace, what followed blessing, what followed mercy, judgment and destruction. Well, that's why we as the people of God look for such things to happen. And we're not surprised at all when we see our nation and the turmoil that she's in tonight. I don't mind telling you, friend, uh, the day that we live in facing a presidential election, it's, it's a very, uh, how can I say it? It's a very time of great unease among the people. Surely you feel as a Christian that, you know, you know it makes no difference which one of these two men that are running to be president. There, there will be unrest in our nation, no matter how it goes. No matter if Trump is reelected or if Biden gets it, whichever way it goes, there will be unrest. There will be things that will transpire that will happen in our cities, on our streets. And you'll think, am I in some third world country somewhere? Is this the United States of America? Is this Denver? Is this Los Angeles? Is this Nashville? Is this and that and the other? You know, why would such a thing happen? Because our nation has spurned the mercy of God. They have spurned God's grace time and time again. And God struck the West Coast with a revival in 1906 and sent the restoration of the gifts to forerun the coming of Elijah. And then from the West Coast to the East, back and forth, back and forth, God has moved and God has blessed our nation and God has given us such bountiful blessings in so many ways, but that cannot come continuously year after year day after day, month after month, and the nation spurned the mercy and the grace of God without destruction following it. Notice the prophet said, when you see revivals and things going on like going on now, just remember, destruction comes. Jesus said himself, in the day when the Son of Man reveals himself from heaven, He's revealing himself now in mercy to his church. Notice the year, 1958. He's revealing himself now. The Son of Man ministry was revealing himself to his church. The next revealing will be in judgment on those who's rejected him. Now, it's not going to be the bride. Don't get that in your mind that we we're, believe we're the bride's going through a tribulation period. Absolutely not. The bride will not go through a tribulation. She'll only be allowed to enter into a phase of this insanity that will get greater and greater. But before it goes into that total grip of insanity on the earth, the Lord Jesus will take her away. Now, when will that cup of the iniquity of the Amorites be filled? I don't think any of us know that for sure, but truly, we are getting closer every day. The world is going insane. 
The majority of American people are on the brink of it, and a lot of them probably are already there already. By the way they live, what they do, the way they dress, the things that they behave, and so on. What's this and knoweth it not? And this is a tremendous sermon if you haven't heard it in a while. Let me prophesy something to you just before it comes to pass. The whole world is groping in insanity and will get worse and worse and worse until they become a bunch of maniacs. It's almost that way now. Well, what would he say now to look in Portland and all these different places where that is so violent and, and our, our, our democratic ones, supposedly a democracy, let them go right on out there and do whatever they want to do. Notice, Brother Branham talked about John F. Kennedy whenever he was here, and he said, where is our John Quincy Adams and where is our Patrick Henry? So he said, quoting John F. Kennedy, he said, if the people want communism, let them have it. Well, look at what the people are saying today. Well, if they want rights, let them have it. And what do they do? Many of these mayors, they get right out there and march with them. What's it going to do? It's going to instill. Can't you see what it is? It is the anointing of the pre-tribulation that is coming upon the earth. The hatred is boiling in the people. And listen, friend, whenever it comes to this spot and it gets greater and greater, it will reach that element that the Lord Jesus will not allow his bride to remain here another day. Because we know that the hatred is building. All oh, many of them say, well, I just hate the Republicans and the Republicans. Oh, no, I hate the Democrats and I hate CNN and I hate Fox. But in reality, the hatred is building and it will all turn against the foolish virgin and it will turn against 144,000. That's right. You think in your mind that if the current president is replaced, all the hatred will go away. You better wake up and realize you're as blind as a jackrabbit in the middle of July. The hatred is boiling. It is brooding. It is going to get worse. What is it? The spirit of the last days. The prophet tells us they will hunt down the Gentile foolish virgin like dogs. How in the world can modern human beings do such? Because the hatred is boiling now. So they will simply turn it from this man or this party or this woman or that one. You think the hatred is going to totally disappear if the election goes the way people want it to go? Of course not. Where's that hatred going to go? Where is all this stuff going to go? It's going to build and get worse and get worse and get worse. What is it? Pre-tribulation anointing. But while they're getting under the spirit of hate and lawlessness and despair, I trust by the grace of God, we're getting under the spirit of love and the spirit of mercy and the spirit of forgiveness. So if you find yourself dealing with hate or trying to push it back, you better get under a different influence, my friend. Because you're under the influence of a tree, tree tribulation anointing, not a rapture anointing. God is not anointing his people to hate. That's right. We hate sin, but we do not hate the sinner. If you hate the sinner, you need to get the Holy Ghost. Well, I'll tell you one thing. So-and-so done something than such-and-such and so to me, and I hate him. Oh, you, you need to get the Holy Ghost. Well, praise the Lord. 
Watch this. The prophet said again in the invisible union, look, the whole world proves it's insane. Look at the murders. Now notice as, as, a, as a common denominator that he would look at that would breed insanity in the civilization of the earth in 1965. This is, of course, preached in Shreveport, which was a southern city. And even then, it was not like Chicago and places like that. So what, what would the numbers have been in 1965 compared to what they are now? I know just in the last six months, in many of these cities, they have quadrupled. In many of these cities, the calls for police to come, uh, you know, all of this, it's increased more and more and more. And people are moving out of these large cities and moving to the rural areas. Look at our area. Property has absolutely gone through the roof. And where are many of them coming from? You think they're moving from Limestone to Johnson City? They're moving from Colorado. They're moving from California. They're leaving these places. But look, friend, I don't want to move from Johnson City to the other side of the states. I want to move from Johnson City to heaven. Amen. I've done got my property already. Hallelujah. It's already there by the grace of God. I'm not looking to move on the other end of Tennessee because it's probably worse than here. But what are people doing? They're trying to get away from all the violence, all the nonsense. Why? It is the end time. Oh, they'll come here and it'll be less than it was in some city somewhere else. But we know, those of us who've lived here know, that it's already increased. It's already got worse. And it will get worse beyond that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Notice this. We look, the whole world proves it's insane. Look at the murders and things that's going on now in the world. See insanity. So here the prophet identified that murders, one of the links of it was insanity. He said the whole thing is coming to fulfill revelation. We'll get into it this week. Where those hideous things, them is not natural. Now here he's, he's referring to those things that will be revealed under the vials, or the Greek word is actually a bowl. And it was a bowl of judgment that the trumpet angels come to sound. And when they blew, when the trumpet angel blew, then there was a vial or a bowl. And it was poured out during the tribulation period. And it will be on the kingdom of the beast. And it will be upon the people of the earth and the women who cut their hair off and these things will come out of hell and it will be like locusts and they'll have stingers in their tails but the prophet goes on to prove to us and show us that this is not just natural things that's going to come out but much of this is going to be in people's minds it will be in their mind and actually television is preparing them for it So many of the things that people are watching on television and many of the things that Hollywood is producing is only getting them ready for the tribulation period. So they will enter into hallucinations. They will enter into all of these things. Watch this. He said, people will scream for the rocks and the mountains and everything else to fall on them. The complete, total insanity this world will go into right away and it's almost there now. Why you see the footsteps of it. There it is. It's marching right out on the street, right down the church pew. Total insanity. Do things that a human being wouldn't think of doing and being civilized. But yet look at them today. Green hair, purple hair. I mean everything in the world you can imagine. Me and Carol was in a place not long ago and she was looking at something and I looked back through there and I thought, oh my goodness. I looked around and I looked back again and it was a woman who her, her hairline was right in the middle of her head she had black hair on this side and she had white hair on this side 
And I thought, surely I'm seeing spots in front of my eyes or something. And then she turned around and right down through the middle of it, she had the same thing. And I thought, what in the world? People are looking and acting and dressing and whatever's the weirdest, strangest, most bizarre thing is what people do to get attention, to crave attention. What is it? It's a sign of insanity. Oh, you say, I know some of them people. They're in the right mind. Well, the way to test them is give them the word. That'll tell you if they're in the right mind or not. Don't ask them about a football team, a basketball team, or, you know, some of that sort of thing. But the way we are determined that we're in real friends, some of the folks in the message are insane. They're insane. Look at the doctrines that they follow. Look at the preachers that they follow. Look at some of the things they get caught up in. It proves they are insane as well. You are not kept sane just by sitting in a message church. You're not kept sane just by playing Brother Ram Saints every day. You're going to be kept sane by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This thing is bigger than us. It's greater than us. Notice the complete, total insanity this world will go into right away. It's almost there now. Well, you see the footsteps of it. It's marching right on on the street, right down the church pew. Total insanity, do things that a human being wouldn't think of doing and being civilized. Look what Hollywood has done to the woman. Look how it is. It's robbed the sacred virtues of the woman. See, on and on we could go. Now look again in the communion service. He says, and we can also look around and see the way the human mind is leaving the people that we can't stay too much longer we'd be in a complete insane institution now this is what the world is going to wind up being how in the world can people be able to look at 2nd Thessalonians when Satan will come upon the earth and whenever the last stage of the vicar of Christ and he will sit in the temple of God and show himself that he is God and the majority of the populace of the earth will receive this as God incarnate and it will be Satan and it will be the head demon that will live inside of that pope until Satan is kicked out and the transitional power will be made and Satan will step inside of there and the majority of the world, think of it, billions of people on the earth and they will worship this as God and it will be the incarnation of Satan himself. How in the world could they do that when they're very Bible and many of them being Christians? Now listen to me carefully. The majority of Jews will do the very same thing. There will be 144,000 that will be exempt. What exempts them? The same thing that exempted you, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the majority of the Jewish race will fall for this man. They will fall for him and they will think he has brought peace. Will it be by removing the dome of the rock? Will it be by establishing temple worship? Who knows what it will be? I ain't worried about it. I ain't gonna be here. I ain't worried about the particulars. Tell me about what I'm gonna be eating around the marriage supper. Tell me what we're gonna be doing, Brother Fred. Rejoice and dance and shout before the presence of God. I ain't too interested in the tribulation period. But how can the majority of the earth be able to do it? Remember, they'll call lying signs and wonders down from heaven. God will send them two prophets, and the prophets will call at leisure. They will interrupt the cycle of the moon, the sun, the stars. They will do whatever under the breaking of that sixth seal. Whenever it breaks in the reality form, the two witnesses will be given power. They'll shut the heavens at their will. They'll open the heavens at their command. And all this going on, and yet they will kill them and let their bodies be laid 
thing in the street which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, which is what? Jerusalem. And notice, a place as holy as Jerusalem, yet without the presence of God there. Is it the dirt that's holy? Is it the rocks that's holy? God turns and calls Jerusalem, Sodom and Egypt. Why? Ichabod is rode over it. The glory of God is gone from it. Come on, saints. My people want to make an idol out of Branham Tabernacle. Branham Tabernacle, wonderful things happened there. But remember, the prophet of God prophesied and said, one day this tabernacle will lose its strength. So does God hover, hover over the dust in the Branham Tabernacle and hallow it and make it holy? Of course not. Where, what is holy? It's where the Holy Ghost moves the group. Right here is the church of God. I know some of you make this place sanctified. Some of you make that place sanctified. Some of you make this sanctified. Look, when we move from here and move over to the other place, it ain't this place that's sanctified. It's this place right here. We want to follow the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire never stood still and say, I'm staying right here. You can't go nowhere else. But when, oh, hallelujah, when the pillar of fire moved, the children of God moved with the pillar of fire. It wasn't that spot that was holy or that spot that was holy. Amen. It was not the mountain that was holy. It was the holy God on the mountain. It's not this spot right here that's holy. It's the Holy Ghost that's here. It ain't that spot over yonder holy. It's the Holy Ghost. It ain't this that's holy. It's the Holy Ghost in the humanity that makes it holy and sanctifies it. I've had to go to several insane institutions to pray for people. I personally never enjoy being there because they tend to gravitate toward me. And them evil spirits recognize, so they'll snarl at you They'll try to get near you and claw you. I've had some very bizarre things like that to happen. And yet other people walk in, they don't pay no attention to them. It's not that I'm so big, it's not that. But it's that devil in them recognizes the Spirit of God. So can you imagine that we are living in a place that almost everybody around us, outside of those who have the Holy Ghost, America, Europe, Asia, Africa, all the world, every day is becoming more insane. And before long, it will turn into a total insane institution. With people dressing and acting like humans wouldn't dress. Doing and saying and behaving the way that humans in the right mind would not behave. Now having gone to those places, I would not feel comfortable was taking Carol by the hand and saying, Carol, I want you to go in here with me. If there was a need, a necessity, I believe the Lord would protect her as well as myself. But unless it's an absolute essential, I'm not going to grab my wife by the hand, one of my daughters by the hand, one of my granddaughters by the hand, and say, go as Poppy. I just wouldn't do it. Because I would be concerned for the welfare. Right, Brother West? 
So can you imagine me as a man if I would feel that way? How the Lord Jesus, Brother Jim, must feel about his sweetheart. And every day they're getting more erratic. Every day they're getting closer to the edge to the point nationally that there'll be no way to go back. Every day more of them are crossing the line and the spirit of insanity is engroping the whole globe. How many more will it take before he will say, no more? I cannot allow my sweetheart to live in such a place. Maybe, maybe there's a hundred, maybe there's a thousand, maybe there's five thousand, maybe there's one whose name is on that Lamb's book and he, he can't call all of us that's ready until that one gets in. That, there may be one that would be holding the whole rapture. Well, you say, why in the world would he do that? I'm personally glad he would do that in case it'd be me. That one may not seem like a big deal unless you're that one. If you're that one, it's a pretty big deal, right? But when everyone gets to their spot and the synchronization of the wheels of prophecy are working, they're working on the world council, they're working on uh, the political powers, and they're working on the Palestinian aspect and the Arabs and so on, and they're working on Israel, and they're working on the foolish virgins. So much of the prophetic cogs of God are working all together. He's got all this time where it's exactly right. Oh my. The dynamics of Satan's regime is coming together. And all of what's going on behind the scenes that we don't even know anything about. But yet, working right up to the very timeline. God allowing the foolish virgin to come in. Maybe God may send a revival, or a move anyway, down at the Baptist church somewhere. Somebody give their heart to God. Over at the Methodist church, the Spirit of God may be able to sneak in there in one service. Somebody get saved. What will it be? Last call, the foolish virgin. Remember, the foolish virgin has also got to be saved before the bride goes up. When the bride goes up, the Gentile dispensation is finished. So God dealing with bride, God dealing with foolish, foolish virgin, God dealing with Israel, her leaders, nationality. Remember, a lot of them over are not saved. They're not even savable. But they are political people that was necessary to bring Israel as a nation. Much of what's gone on there since 1948, it's not been spiritual people that's guiding them. It's been politicians. It's been prime ministers. It's been different people that had a burden for their homeland. Many of them will not make the 144,000 because their interest is not a land beyond the river, but the land by the river. They focus on Israel only, that natural land. Oh my. But yet God is synchronizing the whole thing together. Think of it, there's not one thing out of cater tonight. Every bit of the wheels of the prophecy of God are exactly where they need to be for this hour. COVID may have taken us by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. My brother Bannon would say this in 1965, 12, 12, 65. We can't stay too much longer. We'd be in a complete, insane institution. Yes, 
So a few people in Tennessee, a few people in Indiana, a few in Georgia, a few in Illinois, a handful here, a handful there, some over in Asia, some here, there, there. And then the majority of everybody else is totally out of their mind. Their morals are gone. They don't even know the difference anymore between right and wrong. They don't know the difference. And their conscience has been carterized. Carterized. What's this in 1 Timothy 4.1? Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now notice this. This is people that have been around the faith. They're not going to depart from church. But they actually, the word faith there is pistis, which is something that's made known. Now, now notice Paul saying this 2,000 years ago, friends. That some would depart from the faith. And the word depart is draw away, fall away, calls to withdraw, to remove, to excite, to revolt. Can't you see why some of these folks that have left the message cannot and will not leave quietly? If they want to leave and go their own way and do their own thing and leave us alone, go on, that's what you want. But some of them cannot do it. They must cause a revolt. Why? They're fulfilling prophecy. Oh God, don't never let me fulfill that. Amen, amen. Somebody's going to fulfill this, but it ain't going to be me. Right, Brother West? No, sir. This ain't going to be us. We're not going to go around trying to cause a revolt in the message. Can you imagine? Some people trying to cause a revolt, trying to brandish the messenger and the message and all this and that and the other. You say, why don't they go peaceably? They cannot do so. Someone must get under this spirit. They must get under the ladder of this prophecy. Friends, prophecy isn't always positive. Prophecy isn't always good. Sometimes prophecy has some very bad things that goes with it. It is prophesied that some would go to revolt. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Notice it's not talking about just people that had an intellectual understanding only. But they actually shared in a measure of the faith. They heard and they believed. They really believed just like Judas did. Notice they'll depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. Now watch this. This is not just people alone but it's demonology. But demons use people. So Paul identified this as seducing spirits, which is the Greek word, pinos, and it means wandering, misleading, leading into error, a vagabond, tramp, a vagabond, a tramp. Ah, now don't I remember that somewhere from Genesis? Does my mind serve me right? My memory serve me right? That there was a man there in Genesis who a mark was put upon him and he was to be a wanderer and a vagabond? He had no home church. I mean, had no home. And 
Well, praise the Lord. He's to be a wanderer, right? Is that what God said about King? Then the mark would be placed upon him and the mark of the beast, which is when your soul crosses into that final place of unbelief and they will never come back. Friends, many of those that have left the message, only God knows what, you know, where people cross and all that, we don't. But I'm convinced that many of those that have done what they've done and left and walked away, there will be no mercy. Forever they are doomed. They are souls that are in prison already right now. They are vagabonds. They are spiritual tramps. And their conscience has been carterized to such a degree they can speak against the very word of God that we love and hold dear to our hearts. They can blast it, blaspheme it, speak evil against it, and feel no fear whatsoever. Notice this, what Paul said that they would be. They would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You see, devils don't just push cigarettes. Devils don't just push vodka. But devils push doctrines. Is that your Bible? Doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now notice the way he words this. There is a difference in speaking a lie or telling a lie and you don't know it. There's no doubt in my mind every Christian sitting here tonight has told things wrong before. Probably some this week. And we did it because we were misinformed or uninformed or whatever more and we didn't check out the source and we told something and it was not true. But we didn't do it intentionally. We did not do it trying to deceive anybody, but we were told wrong ourselves, and we repeated it, and we told a lie. But you see, these people here tell a lie in the basis of hypocrisy. They know it's a lie. They will take quotes and do this and that, although whenever they do their studies, they find other quotes that say the opposite, but they won't share them quotes. Because if they do, it'll blow their doctrine out of the water so they only pick certain quotes well brother Branham said this here he said this over here and said that oh see he's a liar he's a false prophet he's this that and the other but they also know these other quotes straighten up them that they're trying to project so what do they do they are spreading their lies in hypocrisy and people are listening to them and believing them and walking away from the truth not realizing they're not being seduced by that man that woman that boy that girl but they are actually listening to demons if a demon was to appear in your bedroom tonight or a demon was to appear in your back seat like I've seen them appear in mine before I guarantee you most of you would be like me you would be so terrified you would never want to see it again hey I've seen demons I've seen them physically and I've heard their voice and I've seen all kinds of manifestations of them I'm 64 years old if I live to be 164 and I never see another one I'm fine with that okay I'm, I'm fine with that I've seen all the demons I want to see. Those who want to see them and ask to see them, well, it lets me know they've never seen one before. And most people would run, they would scare, they would be so afraid of a demon, and yet they will get onto a website that is demonic inspired, and they will listen to somebody who's under the influence of demons right out of hell, trying to pull them away from the Bible or pull them away from the message of the hour. And if that same demon was to appear to them, 
them in physical form, they would run and scream and say, oh God, have mercy, oh God, have mercy. But they'll sit there and click on this and click on that and click on something else. Come on, saints, don't get quiet on me. And what are they doing? Listening to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Oh my, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now this shows this kind of people. Having their conscience seared. Seared. Cauteriazo. Which is sear with a hot iron. To mark by branding. To mark now, those of you in the medical field, you know sometimes that if a doctor hits a vein or a vessel or something or another, and you try to stop it in extreme cases, they may have to take something and actually cauterize it and stop it from bleeding. Now, whenever that happens, of course, it's an extremity that something has to stop the blood. Now, Paul uses this word because they had cauterization even back then. But they did not have what we have today. So the soldiers would go out and fight and they would have an open a gashing wound and a leg or an arm or whatever more and they would bleed and bleed and bleed and they couldn't get it stopped. So they would take a sword, they would take something else, hold it over the fire, the blood is gushing out of the body and they would take that sword and they would hold the man down and lay that red hot sword right on top of that open wound. And when they would, if the man lived, it would stop the blood. Why? Because it would cauterize. It would melt the flesh. It would melt the skin and melt the vessels and whatever more. Now, in union, we all think, oh, this is awful. It's sickening. Yeah, it would be. But can you imagine a person having that done to their conscience? So they, they go on and they keep pressing. What are they doing? They're believing lies. They're accepting lies. They override the truth, accepting doctrines of devils. And then these demons are allowed because they're now entered into the spot. There's this channel, this, this very small spot of grace to where they can turn and go back. But when they refuse and they keep on being pulled in by uncle so-and-so and ain't so-and-so and whoever more. And they, you know, this is exactly what they've been looking for all along because they're Lot's wife. So they can live like the world and still maintain their religiosity. And when they do, then these demons, as it were, heat up this iron, as we can imagine in our minds. And it lays on what? Not on the person's hand, not on their finger, on the mouse, but it lays it upon their conscience. When it touches their conscience, it melts the members of the membranes of their conscience together and it merges as it was the left side and the right side of saying this is right and this is wrong and this is right. Okay, I know this is right. I know this is wrong. And it merges them together by the cauterization and when it does, then they look at the same things they used to see and they say, well, this is right and this is wrong and this is right and this is wrong. Then they look at it because now their conscience has been merged together and they say, I don't think that's wrong anymore. I don't think that's wrong, but I'm not sure what's right. You know, things used to be black or white or they used to be right or wrong, but look like to me, everything's gray anymore. This is a gray area. This is, a, this is not wrong. This is not wrong. I used to believe it was wrong. You mean you used to believe it was wrong before your conscience got carterized. Can't you see where the world is going to? Then a man can want to marry a man and it's fine and dandy. It's perfectly fine. You probably read today where the Pope said that he was thinking that it was all right for these homosexual things. Well, they might as well go ahead and say it. They've been doing it behind the curtains for years and years anyhow. How many boys have they molested and turned them into perverts? Well, go ahead and preach, Brother Donnie. 
Now you imagine the Catholic Church turning and saying such a thing? I don't care who says it, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. But what's happening? The conscience of the people has been carterized. It's been carterized and it's merging together. So right and wrong, left and right, it's no longer that way no more. Because by the torch of it blaming, flaming red, and it lays upon their conscience, and their conscience can look at blatant sin. We can murder babies, millions of them, and say it's a woman's choice. I wouldn't want it for anything in this world to be on the Supreme Court in the United States of America to be those judges who had that choice. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me. I would not want to be on some of the judges and some of the decisions that they've made when they're going to stand before God and all those millions of babies will stand there before the judgment seat of God and their blood will be required of them. All them mothers and fathers, come on, Happy Valley. And they're going to have to answer to God, how in the world can people do it and think nothing about it and do it again? Well, it's a woman's body. It's a woman's choice. When did that thing in your womb become a choice? God said, Jeremiah, I knew you before you was formed in your mother's womb. I ordained you. I chose you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's what my God says, brother, sister. But you see, when your conscience is carterized, well, it's my choice. Well, I used to think it's wrong, but it ain't wrong no more. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's some people on the earth that still has a godly conscience. They've got a righteous conscience, and they say, this is right, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is right. Call us crazy. Call us whatever you want to, but you're going to call us gone after a while. Amen. Well, when this world gets totally insane, we will not stay here. It will come a day that the Lord God will say, no more, no more children. Come on home. Come on home, children. Hallelujah. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry and commanding to not eat meat on Fridays. To abstain from meats which God has created. And I know you vegetarians have a tough time with this scripture, but it's still the scripture. Which God has created to be received with thanksgiving. Man, I thank him for every steak I cut into. (laughs) You can eat all the carrots you want. I'll tell you one thing. Abraham didn't give God a carrot sandwich. He didn't tell Sarah to go out and pick a few cucumbers and a head of broccoli. <laughs> what do you tell her to do? Go out there and get a calf. I just thought I'd throw that in there. as extra. no charge. Don't you see, friend? When people try to go beyond God's word and make a holiness further than the word demands. 
It is sacrilege. When people will look at themselves, I don't eat meat. Brother Branham said a man come to him and said, Brother Branham, I had such confidence in you till I heard you say you ate ham and eggs for breakfast. He said, well, what's wrong with that? He said, who ever heard of a servant of God eating such a filthy thing as a hog? He said, well, sir, if you eat something, you eat dead substance. He said, I don't do such a thing. He said, if you drink the cow, you're drinking dead milk from the cow. It's dead substance. If you pick an apple, it's dead substance. You eat a carrot, it's dead substance. Well, praise the Lord. So way back yonder, Paul saw it coming that there would be a move, and it's been down through the ages, that people would want to supersede God's restrictions and what God said, and they would make their own and have a higher order than God. And they would forbid to marry and commanded to abstain from meats. And they would teach that being in the holy priesthood, being eunuchs, is more holy than a married preacher. Well, that's a lie from hell. Well, praise the Lord. And they would teach when Lent comes, give up your cigarettes for 40 days. Or as a woman told Brother Brandon, Brother Brandon, I'm, I'm gonna give up this certain thing for Lent. Uh, it was a food and I, I'm gonna give up this certain food because I never did like it anyway. It'd be like me saying I'm sacrificing broccoli. <laughs> such pain, such trauma. Oh, y'all laughing, why? You know it wouldn't be no sacrifice. <laughs> I can look a broccoli head right square in the face and smile and go right on. Never even touch that thing. So that's the way the modern people are. Oh, I'm going to give up this and give up that. I never did like it. No way. God don't want what you don't like. God wants what you love. Praise the Lord. Notice this looking around, Brother Bram says, at the nature of people and seeing that we're in the spirit of the last day. They had to get in the spirit of the Andalusian world before they could be destroyed. They had to be put in the spirit of war before they can have war. God, let us be in the spirit of Christ tonight so we can have Christ. Let us be in the spirit of repentance and the spirit of faith. Friends, everybody's getting in the spirit of the last days. This is the spirit I want. Spirit of repentance, spirit of faith, spirit of forgiveness. Brother, I so-and-so done something against me. I can't forgive them. Get in the spirit of the last days of the bride. You'll be able to pray for them that despitefully use you. Those that cast your name out as evil, you'll pray, God, don't lay it to their charge. Please, Father, don't lay it to their charge. Lord Jesus, please help them. Come on, saints. Notice he said, may I stop right here just a minute and say, I believe that the people are in the preparation of the last great destruction this world will ever know. 
I believe we're at the end. You can speak to people. You can put a Billy Graham in every city in the United States that drink whiskey, smoke cigarettes, and laugh at you. Everything else, just the same. They're in the spirit of the last days. And God cannot send destruction before the people are in the spirit for destruction. Well, don't you understand that God cannot send a shaking to Happy Valley, a revival to us, to me, to you, until we're in the attitude for it. Well, I wish God would shake us. I wish God would stir us up. I wish God would help us. Are you praying more? No, well, actually, I'm praying less since COVID. Are you reading your Bible more? No, I'm, I'm actually reading less. Well, your prayer is not making any sense with your works. Show me your faith by your works. Show God, God, I want to move. God, I want to stir it. God, I, I want to get in the spirit of rapture. I want to get in the spirit of repentance and the spirit of revival. God, I, I don't want to be loyal to see it. I don't want to be insane. I don't want my conscience to be seared and me not have the ability to judge right from wrong. Oh my. We cannot have the last day until people gets in the spirit of the last day. Let me read one more. Let's stand together. The glory of God is being preached and demonstrated in the power of the Holy Ghost, setting forth an example of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's going to take the church into glory. Just as certain as I'm standing here, that's right. And men are ignoring it, paying no attention to it, walking away from it because they're in the spirit of the last day. So part of the spirit of the last day is to hear men of God preach the truth and ignore it. I know I should better. I know. I know I should be better. I know I need to quit this. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. That don't deliver you. Knowing it damns you if you don't act on it. But it's when we hear it, we say, oh God, oh God, help me. God, that's what I want. God, make me like that, Lord. Praise God. Men are ignoring it, paying no attention to it, walking away from it because they're in the spirit of the last day. Now you're talking about sad friends. Let me read just one more. This world's got to get like this. God would be unjust to pour his wrath upon a just people. How can God allow such an earthquake to take place that millions will die at one time? How can God justly allow Russia to bomb this nation with such catastrophic bombs that the prophet looked in the last phase of the vision was holes and smoke rising up to the heavens to a supposed God-fearing nation who on their very money says, in God we trust. How could God ever allow such a thing? He couldn't to God-fearing people. So what does he do? Remove the God-fearing and sends the fire on the lost. Oh God, don't let us be here. 
I pray for every one of you, your families, your loved ones, that God will help them, that God will help them to hear his call. But it'll be as it was in the days of Pearl Harbor when they refused to take the warning. It'll be as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and the angels of God were sent. But they laughed, they ridiculed. You can't blame them. Lot had such a poor testimony among the Sodomites that when he tried to witness to them, they ridiculed him, even some of his own family. He had no strength in his testimony. He lived in a city of salt, but his testimony had no salt. It could not save. You imagine how they must have felt when the bitumen, tar, T-A-R, pitch, P-I-T-C-H, they had great pits of asphalt. They had the salt, which is also chemicals. You imagine when fire began to fall out of heaven, brimstone, lingering balls of fire, and it hit the pits of pitch. Be like setting an asphalt plant on fire. So you've got streams of this asphalt and the pitches running everywhere. And the fire, people are screaming. Their flesh is falling off their bones. The angels tell Lot and his family, don't look back. But Lot's wife kept thinking about her grandchildren. And all of a sudden she heard a grandson, a granddaughter, Nana! Nana! And she turns around, and when she does, God turns her to a pillar of salt. And where was Abraham? Hid away in the presence of God. Children surely were mature enough in the Lord to realize all of our children ain't going to be bride. All of our grandchildren, all of our loved ones are not going to be bride. They may not be bride, but it might be your prayer that saves them and helps them to be a foolish virgin. Don't give up on them just because they don't come to this church. Well, they don't come to Happy Valley. I'm giving up. No, don't give up on them. It was Abraham's intercession that saved Lot. God did not save Lot because of Lot. God saved Lot because of Abraham. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, you know my heart always is so heavy and I have to preach things this way. I sat and looked at these things today and I thought, oh Lord, I wish we didn't have to bring things like this. Things to preach on miracles and faith and other things, it's, it's, it's more pleasant to us as preachers. Yet I know it has to be spoke. It makes us feel troubled and heavy. Lord, I, I can't say as a Christian, as an American, I've ever felt so troubled for our nation. I can't say I've ever felt so concerned about the time we're living. 
and people, Lord, that seemingly are so unconcerned. Lord Jesus, help us, Father. I don't want no piece of iron or sword, as it were, laying on my conscience and searing it to a spot that I don't know what's right and wrong no more. I thank you for conviction of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you for something that's not external, but something that's within me. The King that sits on the throne of my heart. That if I think the wrong thought, or say the wrong thing, or have the wrong attitude, or feel complacency, whatever it is that grieves my King, that I have a convicting power within me that says, that's not right. Hallelujah! Lord, these people don't know how to appreciate that tonight. They're rubbing shoulders. They'll go to work tomorrow with people who do not have that. They've sent it away. And their conscience has been carterized. And the right and the wrong has so merged together, many of them by watching maybe a gay TV program and they didn't really like it initially but then they watched another one and another one and another one and might have been a comedy and the next thing, well, you know, they're not so bad, it's not so bad. Now they think it's okay. It's amazing to look at the polls of our nation, what they were when the prophet was here and their opinion of this and that and the other and how our nation has totally changed to this day. And as we go on, it will continue to get worse and worse and worse. till they will make fun and laugh and criticize. They will be despisers of those that are good. Why? Their conscience has become so carterized. The good becomes the evil, and the evil becomes the good. That's the way it was in Sodom. The good, the angels of God, they looked at them, and they wanted to know them in a carnal way. How could people be so blind, so wretchedly lost? They would look at angelic heavenly beings and want to know them in a sexual manner. They were so far gone. Oh God, angels, angels. Lord God, help us to recognize in our midst the angels of God are right here tonight to minister to us. Lord, may we not turn away. May we not turn a deaf ear. Oh, it's just Brother Donnie. No, it ain't Brother Donnie. It's the call of the last days. It's the Lord Jesus calling his bride. Maybe there's one year today, Lord, that's not seen with the Holy Ghost. Maybe they're holding up the whole church. Lord God, lead them, I pray, to cross that line, Father God. Well, their soul is sealed to the day of redemption. Maybe it's a young man. Maybe it's a teenage girl. Maybe it's an older man that's been around this message for years. Whoever it is, God, reach them. Maybe it's somebody in Singapore, somebody in Australia, somebody, Lord God, in New Zealand. Reach your own, blessed God, so we can go home. I don't like this crazy world, Lord. I don't want to live here no more. I want to go home. I want to go home. Lord, I know how it's been for me traveling the world. I've sat in my meetings and I know 
There's a certain, certain day I'll preach my last sermon here. I get so under such anticipation. It may be a 22-hour flight coming back, but I think it'll pass. It'll pass. I get so excited about getting home. Hallelujah. I've never seen those shores. I've never seen those streets. But every now and then I get something from home. As I heard your prophet telling the story today as I was driving down the road, he was talking about them soldiers that was wounded. Near the all gone. Some of them laying there without an egg, leg, without an arm, lost an eye. And them nurses would come in and give each one of them boys a rose from America. They would take that rose and press it to their bosom and cry and weep because they knew that was from home. And he said, that's the way we feel when we get the word from heaven, a blessing from heaven, when we get healing, or even when we get a rebuke from heaven, we grab it, put it close to our breast as it were, and say, it's from heaven. Hallelujah. If you rebuked us tonight, Lord, we want to grab it and pull it real close and say, praise God. It was a love letter from my, my husband. He rebuked me because my attitude wasn't right. He rebuked me because I've been complacent. But I'm going to grab it and pull it close to my bosom because it shook me. It shook me. It stirred me. Hallelujah. It was from home. It was from home. One day, Lord, we'll hear the last sermon. We'll get our last healing touch. And then we'll get our body from home. If we're alive and remain, the theophany will come and the power of God from within us will change us. We'll hear from heaven, from home with our theophany and we'll sail away. Oh Jesus, anoint us with the spirit of rapture. Glory be to God. Anoint your men to speak of the counsel of the Almighty. Anoint your servants, Lord God, to speak those things which are necessary to get your bride ready for the body change. Will it be a few more days, a few more weeks? We don't know. But Lord, we know we have no promise of even leaving this place. So we want to be ready every moment every hour hallelujah oh Lord God hallelujah speak to every heart comfort to those who need it healing words to those who need it maybe words to shake them to those who need a shaking blessed be the Lord God speak to every heart visible and invisible Glory be to God, in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Lord, your great angels that are here in this building tonight, may they minister to the heirs of righteousness. The prophet said the angels of God are here waving the white flags. The demons are here waving their black flags. 
He also said, the battle is raging. Those demons are saying, keep them from believing, keep them from believing. But he said, it's getting light over the building. Faith is gathering and the angels are gathering, standing near you by your pew. Hallelujah, anointing your hearts to believe. Oh, blessed Jesus. Hallelujah, we're in a great war, Father. Oh God, we're not interested tonight in counting the black flags. We're more interested in looking at that angelic host that's gathered here with us on Wednesday night. Praise God, it makes no difference to you whether it's Saturday or Sunday morning, don't matter to you. But you've come down to visit us tonight in a special way because your children are here. We got special needs, special desires, special requests, so that makes it a special service for you, Lord God. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord God. Create Adonai, Jehovah Elohim. We bless you. Oh, I wish somebody would help me love him. Oh, praise be to God. You see, friends, every now and then we just feel that special something around us and you can't touch it. It's, it, it's, it's a feeling, but it's not a feeling. It's not in your flesh. It's something beyond the feeling of your flesh. It's a supernatural something sent to be able to bring encouragement and healing and deliverance and that special touch of what you need tonight. Whether or not you understand and comprehend it, the angels of God are right here in this very place to minister to you. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus dispatched them here. All oh, glory to God. Your guardian angel, that which one has been assigned to you from your birth. Praise the Lord Jesus. Here to help you. Here to encourage you. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Notice the prophet said angels are here. Angels, not just one. Not just one. Brother Ram didn't just get an angel. But you've got one too. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No doubt he's watched you, protected you. He intervened when Satan tried to kill you that time. But something supernaturally stopped this from happening or that from happening. You didn't even know what it was. It was the angel of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We adore you, Lord Jesus. Oh, precious Father, we bless your name. We worship you, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the needs of your children. Lord God, minister to those that are sick. Father, I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, you see the need of my brother Randy Gissendanner tonight, Lord. You see, Father, since he's had this surgery, Lord Jesus, he's not regained his appetite. Lord, and he's lost so much weight. In the name of Jesus, I speak your word tonight, Lord God. We join our faith together as the people of God. In the name of Jesus, that which is hindering our brother, may it leave him now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for the needs and the request. Lord, Brother Louie mentioned so many. God, I can't remember them all, but I know you can. Not only all the ones that was mentioned here, but everyone that was mentioned in the bride churches around the world today and tonight. Heavenly Father, we lift them up before you tonight. 
Oh, Lamb of God, and maybe somebody that didn't even have a church to attend or no one they could call. I pray for your children around the globe, Lord. I pray for your ministry. I pray for the saints of God. I pray for every lay member. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God bring encouragement to your bride. I know your people, Lord, have fought such things in the last six months with this COVID thing, but I say to that devil, you are defeated, Satan. You are defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. We as the people of God claim our inheritance. Our inheritance is revelation. It is peace. It is joy. It is peace. Hallelujah. That Jesus Christ said, my peace I give unto you. We are the people of God. You will not hold us down because we are made of stuff that don't bluff. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We will arise. It is our time, Satan. It is our time and we refuse to be held under your captivity of trying to hold us from our blessing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, may we arise as a mighty army of faith. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As little Shamgar of old, may we take our ox goat. We may not be a professional swordsman, we may not be one to be able to hold a great spear and handle it. Lord, we may not have nothing but a grubbing hoe in our hand or a hatchet or a whatever it is. Lord, if all I've got is a slingshot and a hatchet, I'm going to throw them rocks till I've thrown every one I've got left. When I get done, I'm going to cut that devil's tongue off. I'm going to cut his ears off his head, and then I'm going to scalp him when I get done with that. Whatever you put in my hands, Lord God, let me use it with all of my might, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, strengthen your people, I pray. Oh, Father, we don't want to just spend all of our time looking at all the negative anointing, but we believe the angelic host of God is around the world globally anointing a bride to stand up in the opposition of the time. Surely the enemy has brought in the flood, but we are looking for the standard to rise among us, Lord God. Bring healing, bring deliverance, bring peace, I pray, Father, to your people. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Glory to God. You got a need tonight in your body? I want you to just speak to that need. Satan got you bound with a temper, a cancer, a tumor, a growth, whatever it is. You just speak to your body in the name of Jesus. Just speak to that thing and say, you have no control over me. You besetting sin. You thought you would deceive me. You thought you'd lead me astray, but you're a liar. You have no control over me. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Besetting sin, lose your hold on my life. In the name of Jesus, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak to your people tonight, God. Minister to them right now. I'm in the presence of the great King. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Brother Ron Spencer sent me something on Monday. And it was something that his cancer doctor had told him, which is a Christian. And he said, we've seen it in dealing with these cancers. And this doctor actually called them demons. And he said, whenever we speak to them, they get angry. And he said, they'll try to spread throughout the body. And he said, when Jesus spoke to them demons, he said, that's what he was doing when he was speaking and telling them diseases to leave. He said, he was speaking to them demons and telling them to get out of their body. He said, that's why it's so important that you speak to your own body. I thought, my goodness. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thought if a doctor could say that to encourage people, a preacher ought to be able to say it. Praise be to God. I hope you understand it. You need to hear yourself say it. I am free from this thing. My God will deliver me. But the symptoms are still there. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Branham said, if the doctor said you're eat up with cancer, there's no hope for you. He said you could laugh in that doctor's face. You know why? You've got Isaac. Amen. What is Isaac? Laughter. You can laugh in that doctor's face and say by his stripes, I am already healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother, I want you to come and pray for us tonight, buddy. Remember, Ishmael brings pain. Ishmael brings contention. But Isaac brings laughter. In the midst of your storms, you can have a peace that passes understanding. You can laugh at your troubles your distress why your real son is Isaac your Ishmael may be trying to Isaac and impersonate your Isaac but you need to set him in your place and say sit down and shut up I'm the real Isaac hallelujah my soul is the real Isaac Thank you, Lord God. Lord. I feel victory in the camp. Yes, Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, creator of life, giver of every good gift, we bow our heads and our hearts into your wonderful presence, Lord. Lord, Father, that we are the expression of your being. That you have chosen this hour, Lord, that you would have a body on the earth. That would express your word by manifesting it, dear God. That, Lord, that our bodies will obey our confessions, Lord. That we will speak like gods upon the earth, Lord. Father, we believe this is the hour and the season, the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, Lord. 
Father God, we lift these needs up of our congregation before you tonight, Lord. And we speak, dear God, to this enemy and say no more. We speak to that arthritis and say no more. We speak to that sugar diabetes and say no more. We speak to these afflictions, dear God, and we rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ by the same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave. May that same anointing, dear God, move upon every heart of every believer, God, that we may stand and possess our land, dear God. As Shamgar stood there that day, Lord, knowing, Father, that that land had been given to him, Lord, he stood there upon that confession, God, and took that ox goat, Lord, and liberated what belonged to him, God. I don't have an ox goat, Lord. I don't have a jawbone, Lord. But I do have the word of God that's been given to me in this hour, Lord. And I take that word, Lord, against my enemy, and I rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, whom the Son has made free, is free indeed by the power of the resurrected Jesus. How we thank thee, O oh God, tonight that we are victorious, Lord. This bride will not be defeated. She's made out of the stuff that does not bluff. She is the overcomer in this hour, Lord. Our bodies will be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye and we'll walk off this earth, Lord. Hallelujah! Back to where we come from, Lord. How we thank you, dear God, as we see this junction of time. We see this manifestation of time, Lord. And we see our position as believers upon the earth, God. And we step into it and we receive it, God. I am so thankful, God, and so humbled in my heart, God, that we are a people, Lord, who cannot just hear the word, but we're able to receive that which we've heard. Oh, God, may it come into our hearts and manifest back upon our lips. Grant it, oh God, we pray. Oh, we're so grateful tonight to know there's angels camped about us, God. Oh, we're so grateful tonight to know, Lord, exactly where we come from, exactly where we're going. The world is in chaos, God. They don't know what to believe, Lord. They don't know what to receive, God. We're so grateful that we know the truth, Lord been given to us by your grace and by your mercy, Lord. And tonight, from the depths of the very marrow of my bones, I thank you, God, for truth. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for revealing these things to us, for being our healer, for being our God, for being our comfort, for being our joy, our peace, our bridegroom, our friend. Oh, Father, you're our all and our all. How we thank you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, oh God, may the testimonies begin, Lord. Oh, Father, may we shout the victory before one stone ever moves. May we shout the victory, dear God. Grant it, Lord, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Something keeps holding me
sing this song tonight as we go victory is mine victory is mine i told satan amen get thee behind let's sing that tonight as you're dismissed oh victory is mine victory is